What is up, everybody? Today, we got Jason Romano. I'm very excited for this episode with Jason. Jason uh, used to work at ESPN. Yeah, that is right. He is our sports guy, and I'm a big sports person myself, so I'm excited. We're going to jump in uh, to this conversation with Jason Romano, uh, all about leadership, and he talks a lot about sports. So share this with somebody who loves sports and wants to grow as a leader, but we're going to jump right in. What is up, everybody? I am here with my friend Jason. How's it going today, Jason? I'm doing great. Great to be with you, Matt. I'm very, very excited for this because uh, I am a big sports guy. Can you tell everybody a little bit about your journey and, and your leadership journey? Absolutely. Yeah. So I grew up in uh, Albany, New York, was a big sports fan as a kid, uh, played sports, and then realized I wasn't going to be playing anymore. As I got older, I wasn't going to be on a professional level or even the high level in college. So I pursued a career in broadcasting, and uh, that led me to ESPN, where I worked there for 17 years as a producer. Worked on shows like Mike and Mike in the Morning and Sports Center and Monday Night Football and NFL Countdown and lots of fun shows and great experiences there. And that journey then led me to pivoting away from ESPN and following a deeper calling, a more purposeful calling on my life to uh, work in ministry. And so I do a sports and faith show now where I host it and produce it uh, called Sports Spectrum. And now I'm an author and I've released two books, uh, one on forgiveness, which was my first book called Live to Forgive. And the second book is out now called The Uniform of Leadership. And uh, learned a lot of lessons along the way, Matt will say, on this journey, especially in the leadership space. And I tried to bring all of those lessons or as many as I could into this new book. Yeah, that that's amazing. Some of the best leaders ever are athletes or coaches. Um, who is, who's one of your favorite leaders um, who in the sports world? Favorite leaders in the sports world. I think I think of guys like Tony Dungy, who is not coaching anymore. Obviously he's a, a broadcaster with NBC doing football games, but I love coach Dungy and just the way that he goes about leading because it always feels like he's putting others first, which to me is the the definition of leadership is serving and being others focused. And I feel like Coach Dungy does that, yet when he talks and when you come in contact with him, or even if he just speaks on social media or tweets something, he commands respect. And so by serving and giving of, his, of himself, he's actually – commanding respect. And honestly, the greatest leader of all time to me is Jesus, who in a very, in a very similar way, when he came to this earth, according to, to the Bible, he led that same way. Like he commanded respect, obviously, for who he was claiming to be. But he also came not to be served, but to serve and give his life for others. So to me, those are the leaders that I, I think about. Yeah, that's amazing. Coach Dungy is just a phenomenal leader um, and has some really good books. I think he even wrote a devotional, didn't he? He did, yeah, called The Uncommon Daily Devotional. I love the idea of being uncommon, which is to kind of take the road less traveled or not conform to the patterns of this world, if you want to even go scriptural or spiritual here. But yes, he wrote an Uncommon Daily Devotional, which is uh, a fantastic book 
he also happened to feature me in that devotional, which I was honored to be oh, featured in um, on April 14th. If you get that, if you get that <laughs> devotional, you can check that one out. But um, yeah, he wrote The Mentor Leader and Quiet Storm and just so many amazing books. And they all point back to others. And that's really why I love Coach Dungy. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm a big Lakers fan, a big Kobe fan. Um, and so, nice. uh, yeah. I mean, I have like his, his book and everything. And, and so he always challenges me um, to just work harder. Uh, every time I think of, of Kobe, I'm like, man, my work ethic just needs to improve. And so yeah. leadership and working harder, Kobe Bryant really inspires me as a big Laker fan. Yeah, Kobe, I mean, listen, I'm a Celtics fan. We talked about this before we started recording. And, you know, I wanted Kobe to lose when they would play the Celtics for <laughs> sure. I'm not going to lie there. And we did beat him in 08, and then yeah. he got us in 2010. But as a fan of sports, as a person who's gotten to know and meet many of my sports heroes, you can't do anything but respect Kobe Bryant and the, and the work ethic that he had, the desire to be great, the I don't care what anybody thinks attitude, I'm going to do it the way I think works best for me. Uh, I thought he was just a great embodiment of hard work and determination. And obviously his life was cut short you know, uh, and it was so tragic and, and horrific to see. But he left such a lasting impact and a lasting imprint, not only in the game of basketball, but for a lot of the people that he came in contact with. And actually in the first chapter or so of my book, I had to reference Kobe because when you think back to the 2003-2004 Lakers, a lot of Lakers fans don't like thinking about this season. But for me, it was the embodiment of wearing the uniform of leadership backwards. And it was a bunch of guys who came together. That was the year they got Gary Payton, Carl yeah. Malone. It was the last year of Shaq on the Lakers. And they kind of tried to form this dream team, but there was no chemistry. It didn't feel like there was a big support system of playing for others. And, you know, talent got them pretty far. It got them to the finals. But very quickly, the Detroit Pistons exploited that and won because they were about as other-focused of a team as you'll ever see in the NBA, those 2004 Detroit Pistons. And then the Shaq-Kobe thing ended up happening, and it broke up. But, you know, Kobe, for the most part, maybe other than that one year, you know, he was – always about winning and about being great and about trying to elevate the play of others. And, uh, we miss them for sure. That, yeah. That's amazing. I remember, I remember when, when you see a tragedy like that happen, you just remember where you're at. And this one was so, so soon. Absolutely. Um, I just got, I just uh, took a new job at a new church and just got done preaching and get off the stage. And somebody tells me Kobe just died. And I'm like, yep. wow. Like my heart sank. Yeah, I remember being on an airplane. I was flying from Dallas, Texas. I had spoken at a men's conference in Dallas, Texas, and I was leaving from that men's conference to fly to Miami, Florida, to cover the Super Bowl this year in Miami. And I was on a plane. And literally, as I'm on the plane, I'm just, you know, I always connect my phone to the, you don't really connect it to the internet, but you connect it in a way that allows you to still text with people or iMessage people when you're on the plane and I was watching a movie or something on my iPad and all of a sudden I get a text from my buddy. I can't believe the Kobe news. And I was like, what's the Kobe news? Like I, and in my mind didn't go to the fact that he, you know, was potentially killed. It just went to maybe he got arrested, something negative, or maybe he, you know, cause the night before 
LeBron had passed Kobe, I think, in all-time yeah. points in yeah. the NBA. So I'm thinking, I wonder if that's the news that they're talking about. And then I got more texts, three, four, five texts started coming in saying, I can't believe what happened to Kobe. I can't believe what happened to Kobe. And I'm like, let me turn on my iPad on the news. And, you know, you get the stations, you get like seven stations or whatever it is on the airplane on your iPad, you know, when you connect it to the, to the yeah. app there. And so I'm watching, like I turned on CNN. I figured if this is as big a news as people are texting me about, it's going to be on the national news networks. And there it was. And I was in shock. I was watching the coverage for about another hour. You know, people on the airplane, including stewardesses, were, you know, kind of just serving and handing people drinks and leaned over and saw my iPad and, and was shocked when they saw it on the bottom line. Kobe wow. Bryant has died. So it was, yeah, it was one of those moments you never, ever forget where you were. Yeah, man, that is that is so sad. Uh, Jason, let's let's jump into your your new book. Um I'm very excited to read this one, The Uniform of Leadership, right? Uh, tell us a little bit um, about maybe a leadership lesson from that book. Absolutely. Well, there's a bunch of lessons. I think that the overarching lesson from The Uniform of Leadership is to be others-focused, as I mentioned earlier. And I think, you know, the great leaders in history, when you think about those that have been successful, and, you know, my subtitle of the book that I wrote is lessons on true success from my ESPN life. And people have asked me, what's your definition of success, Jason? And I tell them, what is the impact that you made on others? What was your focus on others? How are you serving others? That to me is where true success lies. And so the great lesson in this book is to be others focused. And it was a collection of opportunities that I had, stories that I had, you know, days spent with very famous athletes, celebrities, entertainers, and then some other people that you might not have heard of behind the scenes. And it was an opportunity to kind of take those stories that I had and turn them into lessons that I learned. And so I think of a guy like Drew Brees who came to ESPN and made sure that he worked out on the green in front of the cafeteria at ESPN and got a 30-minute workout in throwing footballs two weeks before training camp starts, six months after he had just won his first Super Bowl and thinking, well, what's the lesson here? Well, the lesson is work hard because Drew Brees is Drew Brees and you see this on display, but it's also honoring God and honoring his teammates by working hard. He said, if I come into training camp, Jason, in two weeks and I'm not ready, not only am I doing myself a disservice, but my teammates are counting on me. They're expecting me to be there ready to go when training camp starts. So even though I'm at ESPN today, promoting my book and having some fun doing a bunch of interviews. If I don't get a workout in and get my throws in, I'm doing a disservice to my teammates. And that that's probably one of the best leadership examples I can think of is Drew Brees, you know, the all-time leader in passing, saying that I need to throw footballs for a half hour when I'm at ESPN because I need to honor my teammates. Like, wow, wow. that's what it's all about. That's amazing. Uh, for a leader who's leading an organization or a pastor leading a church, um, what's a practical way that you think they can be others focused? It's a great question, because I think for for leaders, you know, I tell people all the time, you're a leader. And they're like, no, I'm not a pastor or I'm not the vice president or I'm not in charge of people or a manager. And I say, no, everybody's a leader because, again, leadership is influence. It's what you're doing with that influence 
that makes you a great leader or makes you a terrible leader, right? And to me, the best advice I can give in terms of practicality for pastors, for other leaders, is to just talk to your team. Keep in communication. Hear how they're doing. See where they're, what they're going through. Loving and serving and caring for them right where they're at. And not just about the work that they do, but about who they are as people. Because that's what Christ does to us. It's about who they are as people. I've had many bosses, Matt, in my journey at ESPN, who didn't care anything about me or my, at least I didn't feel like they cared about me or my wife or my daughter or anything outside of ESPN. They cared about the work that I did and that was it. And listen, I'm not against that because I was hired to do the job that I was supposed to be doing at ESPN. But the ones that cared about me, that showed that they wanted to invest in me, that spent time, that invited me over to their house after work, that we would go out and have dinners together. That was about building a relationship, not just about, you know, a boss and his employee. And so I know that's kind of obvious, I think, for a lot of people. But when we think about, you know, a pastor and he's got a team under him and a lot of them are volunteers, it's it has to be about relationships because a volunteer, if you're just sitting there trying to be a boss and a volunteer is serving in the you know kids center or, you know, in the media area, well, they can just get up and walk out right away. But if that person who's serving in the nursery or serving in the media area knows that their boss, their pastor cares about them, genuinely cares, they will do anything for that guy. And that's the difference between being a great leader and just the boss. Yeah, that is so good. Um, I'm always encouraged by Rick Warren at Saddleback Church in California. And yeah. what he did when they started the church and it's starting to grow is he had every single person at the church individually over for dinner at his house. Um, Amazing. Like every night. And this church is growing to become one of the fastest churches uh, fastest growing churches, largest churches in the country, and he and his wife are making time every day to have people over for dinner, um, and that is the kind of pastor who who cares for people. Um, you'll be in the lobby at Saddleback still. I mean, they're they're larger than thirty thousand members, and he's hugging people in the lobby before every service, not like tucked away in the green room. So that always just encourages me, man. Get to know your team on a personal level. Um, it, yeah. it, what I did when I just jumped, I, I came on board to my new job in January and I sat down with each team member and I was like, I want to know your goals, not just in ministry, but your goals in life. Um, yep. I want you to write these down so I can help you accomplish these goals, um, not just ministry goals, not but but your personal goals. So somebody wrote down like, I want to write a book. So now I can check in and I know these goals and I can help them achieve those, even give them a little bit of work time um, to focus on on themselves. Because when they see that, they see that they're, you're bought into their life. They're going to follow you uh, further and faster than ever before. So true. I mean, that is that is that is spot on because, you know, I think bosses, certain bosses, not everybody, obviously, but the ones that are you know, the ones that aren't great leaders feel threatened. Like if they invest in the person and say, I want you to achieve and to grow, and how can I help you grow, and what are your goals outside of work, all of that, I think they feel threatened that they're actually helping someone potentially take their job. And, you know, I see that in sports in a parallel. 
And, you know, the, the starting quarterback, in fact, Drew Brees, that day he was at ESPN, told me, I have two guys trying to take my job. So individually for my position, I need to stay, you know, on top of my game so these guys aren't going to take my job. But I've also talked to a lot of quarterbacks who invest in the backup quarterbacks, the ones behind them. And that takes a lot of guts to me to do that as a great leader, a servant leader, because those guys are trying to take the starting quarterback job. And I remember, I think it was, oh, who was it that I talked to? Dan Orlovsky, I think, from ESPN, the former Detroit Lions quarterback, was telling me a story because I asked him about who were the people that invested in you when you were coming up into the NFL. And he said, John Kitna invested in me. Now, John Kitna was the Detroit Lions starting quarterback when Dan was the backup coming up. And he said, John Kitna invested in me. He spent time with me. He showed me how to live life as a servant leader, as a follower of God, as a man, as a husband, as a dad. He showed me and invested in me. And to this day, that to me has meant so much. And I'm a better person because of that investment. Now, I never took his job. Dan never became the starting quarterback in Detroit. But he saw how a starting quarterback was willing to invest in the guys behind him, even though John Kittman knew that Dan Orlovsky was trying to take his job. That is the definition of a true successful leader, truly successful leader, wearing the uniform of leadership properly. There's no doubt. Wow, that's that's so amazing. Jason, where can they find you on social media and, and purchase your book as well? Uh, social media, I'm on uh, Twitter, I'm on Instagram, uh, and you can just search my name, Jason Romano. That's my handle, and uh, I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to hear from you if you're listening to this and you want to just say hello or know any more information about the book. And then my website is just jasonromano.com. You can get the book there, or it's available on Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, everywhere you would buy books, it's available there. That's awesome. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today, Jason. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Matt. Really appreciate it.